Residential Lighting Specialist to Arc Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, David Warfel joins us from Madison, Wisconsin, where he is founder of Light Can Help You, a lighting design firm that has been embraced fairly recently by the custom integration industry as the lighting fixture category has become more accessible and popular within that trade. David and his company have stepped up as a trusted advisor and collaborator to many home technology professionals who first gained their expertise in audio, video, networking, and lighting control, but only recently expanded into actual lighting and lighting design. Through his insightful and entertaining writing on his own language of light blog and experiences on tech panels, David has become one of a handful of seemingly omnipresent lighting designers look to for guidance in the CI channel these days. I'm happy to say that we reconnected a few weeks ago at the ProSource conference in San Antonio, where I learned more about his background and insights. I'm happy to welcome him today to share some of those stories and how he went from Midwest farm boy to respected lighting designer. David Warfel, thanks for joining us today. Good to see you again. Jeremy, thanks for having me. It's good to see you as well. Hmm. These days, you're in Madison, Wisconsin, but you actually grew up near another Big Ten school in downstate Illinois, near the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. So even though you're a self-identified Midwest farm boy, you grew up near a college town with the kind of culture that comes with um, that academic community. So um, you, you, you were not, as you say, necessarily just in the middle of nowhere, a farm boy. You actually had some opportunities um, there that maybe helped to lead you into your career. What, what were those early experiences that uh, gained, you, gained you insight into lighting? Um, I know you said to me that it was more theatrical lighting in the early days. So how did that get started? Well, Jeremy, growing up on a farm can lead in multiple directions. And, you know, I literally had cornfields in my backyard and my parents, both of them, were students at the University of Illinois when they were younger and they got married and they dropped out of school, my dad, with only a semester left. So neither of them ever finished their college degrees. And I think they both had regrets about that. So from a very young age, uh, there were um, I'm one of five. They pushed all five of us. And, and it was never really a question of whether or not we would go to college. It was where are you going to go to college? And, and um, I also grew up in the, you know, sort of came of age in the 1980s and farming was a really poor business in the 1980s. It, it went through some pretty serious recessions. And so, you know, my dad looked at the family farm, which is, is uh, he just retired two years ago. It's been in the family for 130 years or so. Oh, wow. um, and he was like, I don't want any of my kids to do this because it's not, there's no future in it for them. So we were pushed out the door. It's like, get involved in activities, do sports, you know, whatever. And one of the things that our family just glommed onto was theater. So we did, you know, we were in the sort of the drama clubs and the school plays and the community theater and all of that kind of stuff. And I loved doing that. I did a little bit of singing, um, some kind of not very good dancing, you know, some of that <laughs> stuff when I was younger. Um, but I noticed, especially in community theater, that there were always these folks who come came in about a week before the show opened and they got to wear all black and wear headsets. <laughs> and I thought, I got to be one of those people, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, and those were the techies, uh, as we called them, as we called ourselves, uh, and who would do lighting. 
and sound and scenery and all of the different technical aspects of theater. And I got engaged in that in lighting design. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it design at that age. I just call it lighting. Yeah. And that stuck as a, as something that I just continued to do in various forms. Uh, as at the same time, I knew that wasn't really a job. Um, and I was interested in architecture. So I pursued that as a career and lighting as a hobby until they sort of mashed together and, and I got where I am now. And so you ended up at the university that was basically in your, in your backyard and, uh, in addition to those cornfields. Um, but you, uh, you started off as an architecture major. Um, that's correct. Yeah. My undergraduate degrees in architecture and, uh, I was, taking classes, you know, if I had an elective, a free elective, I would take it in the theater department and I would do lighting over in the theater department. And, um, I started a DJ business, you know, uh, which I think is a rite of passage for a tech geek. Uh, and I was, I, I was a terrible DJ, um, <laughs> Jeremy, you would not want to, I couldn't scratch to save my life. You know, I could barely beat Mick, you know, beat match or anything like that, but I had a killer lighting rig, probably uh-huh. the best lighting rig in town. Right. So the signs were all there <laughs> from an early age of where I was headed, but I didn't really know that architectural lighting was even a thing until I was a junior or senior in college. And I heard uh, a, a lighting designer speak as part of one of our uh, class field trips and she put theater and lighting and architecture into one sentence. And from that moment, uh, I started to shift my career. So I eventually went back to school in theatrical lighting. Hmm. Uh, but um, that was after a couple of years of, of building houses. So I've kind of been all over the map. I like to say I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And at this point, it's looking unlikely that I'm going to grow up. So <laughs> you got what you got. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of cool that you got that limited time actually building houses, as you say, di- designing homes and understanding really the the way that houses come together and all that before you went into lighting design, I would s- figure that that probably helped you in your ability to blend those two together, not just being a lighting designer from the get-go. Um, how much insight do you think that ga- gave you from just the residential standpoint of being able to take the theatrical experience and apply it to a home? Well, I think, you know, building houses and being a farmer and doing theatrical lighting, all of those are very Mm hands-on. They're very uh, in the field, so to speak. Um, You know, you've got to use tools, you've got to pull the wires, you know, you've got to hang the lights, you've got to point them in the right direction, you've got to, you know, put the walls up. You've got to know what goes inside the wall. You have to plan in advance to know that if you want a toilet there and you're pouring a concrete slab, you better have all the right plumbing in place and in the exact right place before you do it. So I would say all of that really, um, I enjoyed as sort of the stereotypical farm kid, you know, it's like, if I can't fix it with duct tape and bailing wire, then it's not something worth having that just carries into everything that we do and everything that I do try, it gives me a, a practical insight into what's above the ceiling that is going to run into the light fixtures that I specify, or it's going to give me, uh, I can also use it as a secret power to say, you know what, if you did this with a two by six, instead of a two by four, <laughs> this is what I could do with lighting for you. You know, so there's some, I find that everything that I've experienced in life has 
you know, sort of miraculously come to use somehow in the career that I have now. Those early days of doing the theatrical lighting, what would you say, besides just that hands-on of having the tools and all that, um, having been a kid around the acting and the performing and all that, um, what was it about the lighting that you became so passionate about? I've tried to trace that and I think I've always been light sensitive. Mm. So there's some research that says if you have blue eyes, you're more sensitive to light. I, yeah. You know, um, growing up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing to block the sky. So there's just tons of natural light all day, every day, spent tons of time outside. But I'm also a control freak. So I want everything to look just right. And lighting is one of those tools, especially in theater, that allows you to do that. You know, if I put a spotlight on somebody, everybody in the whole theater is going to look at that spotlight and whatever's in that spotlight. And it's there's there's kind of a um, probably a power trip, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you get from being able to move some sliders on a, on a control board and make everybody's head turn or make everybody gasp or move the energy up or move the energy down. So lighting is a real emotional emphasizer, if you will. And in, in theater, I was drawn to both that power trip, you know, and don't, Get me wrong. I really did like walking around with a headset on. I thought it made me into something, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, poor geeky me. Right. <laughs> but, uh -huh. but I thought I'm cool now. Uh, cause I can go and I, I've got a key to the booth, which nobody has. It's also a great place to make out uh, uh, when you're in junior high and high school. So <laughs> you yeah. know, there may have been a draw there. Um, but lighting has just always fascinated me and the, the emotional power of it has always fascinated me. And theater is one of those places where you hang a light and you point it. And if it doesn't work, you move it. It's very fluid. It's very um, hands-on. It's very organic. You, you get to see immediately whether it does what you think it's going to do or not, and then change it if you want it to do something else. Well, then as you go into architecture, go into home building, you, you know that well, then there's this transition into lighting design, residential lighting design. So what were those first steps like for you? So in graduate school, I was in theatrical lighting and I was planning to get a master's of architecture too. I am not that much of an academic that could actually have survived two degrees <laughs> at the same time. And, uh, you know, I was, I was struggling really to figure out how I was going to be in school forever, uh, and, and do both of these degrees. And I had started the theater degree first and a company in town that was an architectural lighting company. Uh, I, I found out about, and I said, Hey, can I have a summer, summer internship with you? And he said, sure, come on board. Now they were largely commercial. So mm -hmm. uh, we were in the Chicago market, you know, and within, you know, really within a month of graduating from grad school, I was doing things at the Museum of Science and Industry, um, high rises, you know, 50 story towers, like really kind of exciting projects that uh, I was really excited about. And uh, that was my post college 
job. And I, they, they said, Hey, why don't you forget school and just come to work for us? Like, you don't need any of that. We'll teach you what you need to know, you know, et cetera. And I said, okay, well, that's a good enough reason to give up on the dream of having an architecture degree and becoming a licensed architect. I'll give up on that, but at least let me finish the theater degree. So I finished that Hmm. um, and then went to work for them full time. Um, and it was a blast, but we didn't do much residential um, at the time. And this is 20 plus years ago. You know, any house that was less than a million dollars couldn't afford a lighting designer. So today, what is that? That's a five or $10 million house. Um, so we didn't do a whole lot of residential. It was almost all commercial. But as you learn lighting, then it's like, you know, your mom's redoing her kitchen. You're like, okay, well, let me help you with lighting. You know, and mm-hmm. then I was always, I've always been buying old houses that are, you know, in desperate need of upgrades. So (laughs) I started using my own home as a laboratory. And then, you know, your mom's friend says, Hey, I see what you did in your mom's kitchen. Can you do it in mine? And before you know it, you've got a little side gig going in residential business while you're doing all of the sort of main business. Um, And that's kind of the way it continued. I would say 80% 80 to 90% commercial and, you know, 10 to 20% residential until I met an integrator and then uh, everything changed. (laughs) Well, after the break, we will learn more about that initial integration connection with David Warfel. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with David Werfel from Light Can Help You. David, you teased the, uh, the, that first step with the integrator. I had no idea that that was such a turning point for your career. I figured it had come much later. So what was that first connection to an integrator, as you said? Well, in the, you know, in the mysterious way, the cosmos works five <laughs> or six years ago, I would say now, maybe seven years ago. It's been a while. I, a mutual acquaintance introduced me to a guy named Jonathan Wesco from Allegro Home in uh, in the South Bend, Indiana area. And Jonathan is an integrator, a custom integrator. He'd been into lighting. He was passionate about lighting. And he had been hiring a lighting designer every once in a while or referring a lighting designer every once in a while to client projects. And was always looking for different ways to approach that. So this mutual acquaintance introduced the two of us and said, Hey, you two ought to know each other. And for the first you know, year or so, Jonathan would send me a plan and I'd give him some comments on it, you know, but that slowly snowballed to the point where we did a couple of houses together. And Jonathan said, you know, the lighting you do is great, David, but can you do it faster? And can you do it cheaper? <laughs> and the, the, 
the whole construct of light can help you was born out of that and midlife crisis where it's like, you know, there are lighting designers out there who serve the half of a half of a 1%, right? Yeah. Um, there's some fantastic lighting designers out there. They do amazing work and they should for a hundred thousand dollar fee or a $150,000 fee, right? You, you should get something pretty good. Jonathan introduced me to the world of custom integration. And he said, look, we get homeowners all the time who are not building $60 million houses, although some of them are. Yeah. They're building one, two, $3 million houses you know, every day of the week, and none of them have a lighting designer. And if you could come up with services that are more accessible and more affordable, then you'd have more work than you know what to do with. And I'm into systems, I'm into figuring stuff out and, you know, just tearing it apart. So I tore lighting design apart, you know, it's like, how do we put this back together in a way that is just approachable, friendly, accessible, and you get the most bang for your buck. And uh, I bought a mattress online, a Casper mattress, one of those foam mattresses. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, good, better, best. Like you go to your website, you go to their website sure. and they've got the 600, the 1200 and the $2,000 mattress. So what does everybody do? They click on the 1200 and they buy it. And I was like, wow, that is so fast and so easy for me to just click and buy, <laughs> you know, a uh, $1,000 mattress. And then that's why you see in our, you know, our first service lineup had a good, better, best service lineup in the same way. And we wanted to do most of that middle yeah. service. Um, and that's kind of how it evolved. Okay. And so you you start this business basically based on one relationship but you must have some kind of network that you're building up toward to be able to promote to have more clients obviously like that or do does it just happen organically that they that you, you build a like a website and start getting little nibbles here and there how how's it initially start to get more than just the one client you know, this business is all about who you know, right? And everybody knows everybody else. So people were asking Jonathan, they were like, what are you doing for lighting? And Jonathan was like, I've got a lighting designer. And they were like, well, give me his number. And Jonathan said, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> because Jonathan wasn't sure I could scale. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, and he, he didn't want me to just get stolen by somebody else, you know, who, who would take all of my time. Yeah. And it took me a couple of years to build something that was scalable. Mm. Uh, and it took a lot of work and a lot of teamwork uh, to make something that was scalable. But once we had something, we thought, okay, this, this we can roll out. Then he introduced me to ProSource, one of the buying groups. Yes. And the rest is kind of history. Cause once you get up in front of a buying group, all of a sudden a hundred integrators know your name and it it snowballed from there. So to other buying groups, you know, yeah. other other trade industry partners, and it just exploded. I was in the right place at the right time. Is, sure. is mostly what it comes down to. And what changed in those early years was the technology as well, right? So your lighting becomes more accessible to the custom integration trade, even to begin selling fixtures, not just to help consult with lighting design, but to actually, um, to, to be able to install the fixtures for the first time, because you're going to, uh, a more low voltage scenario where they don't have to have an ele electrical license to, to do the installation. Right. So that help, help your business scale up a bit. 
Well, the the partnership with integrators is is critical to the scaling up, and and it really comes down to the you know a couple of key things. First of all, the integrators have the clients. Um, second of all, that as you mentioned, the technology has completely changed in lighting over the last ten years, and things like tunable white technology we've had for a decade in commercial, mm. but. Uh, Really, I, I like to say this. You know, when I was a kid, uh, and they, you know, in, in junior high, the teacher would want to show a video on VHS. You know, when it was grade school, it was a film strip. You know, with the tape mm-hmm. and you push the button. But in in middle school, it was the the VCR, and none of the teachers could actually figure out how to make the thing work. Right, so. <laughs> The geek gets called up to the front of the class. That was me, you know, to, to make sure the VCR works. The thing is, we had all this technology, but no one knew how to work. No one knew how to make it work. When I realized there was this entire industry of integrators who can program a VCR, right? <laughs> who actually knew how to do that. Um, that's, I think, what's going to unlock the future of better lighting is because the technology is there on the lighting standpoint, but nobody knew how to put it together and make it work and make it reliable. Whereas that's what integrators do. They take technology and they make it so that when the customer pushes a button, it works. And that sounds simple, but as all the integrators know, there's a lot, it's complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes smart people. So it was like, hey, we got all this lighting. We got all this science. Wait, there's this huge group of smart people. Like, wow, we put this together and then it explodes, especially in the residential market where it just really no electrician knows how to do this stuff. Uh, it takes someone with an integrator skill set to be able to take lighting to the next level. And I think the customers are ready for it. Yeah, because uh, as I've sat in on some of the lighting classes and panels that you've been on and things like that, you hear that. Um, you know, traditionally home builders, architects, and their electricians, they go for a very basic layout of lighting. And it's, it's most just like a cursory approach to, you need these four cans in this one room and that's it. It's all down lighting. There's nothing at all angled or anything decorative. And, and then you come in and you can do so much more to enhance that environment, make, make things look better. And, make the lighting more effective and all of that. Um, so, uh, it, it's, it seems like the, the opportunity is just there, especially for a homeowner that cares to take that next step in spending a little bit more money. Um, and yet one of the challenges, I think what I hear from the custom integration channel who have been traditionally into the audio and video and maybe networking and lighting control, but not lighting design or installation they're just a little hesitant to dive in because it's still a new thing. Um, what do you, when you have meetings with these folks or present to them and they're, they're sort of putting their toe in the water, but not quite sure, what can you tell them to kind of make them a little more confident about making that first step? What, what is a good first step for a custom integrator who is interested but not quite sure yet? I think seeing is believing. So if they're able to see the difference between good lighting and bad lighting and have, have, you know, whether that's through photographs or going to an experience center or whatever, being able to see A and B, that's kind of the critical first step to say, okay, yes, I see the difference now. And that way I can be passionate with my clients. Okay. Like to say, Hey, 
you really ought to see this, right? You really ought to check this out. Or uh, I want you to know that this is available to you. You know, you don't have to buy it, but I don't want you coming back later saying, why didn't you tell me that, you know, I could have better lighting. Um, and so there's there's ways to introduce it to clients. And what we've tried to do as a business is slot into integrators as their in-house lighting team. Hmm. So we actually try to simplify it to ask your client whether they have a lighting layout or a lighting design. And okay. when they say, what's the difference? You say, would you spend 30 minutes with my design team to uh, you know uh, look at the opportunity and you know et cetera? And they click a button, they schedule with uh, a 30 minute Zoom with us and we take it from there. And then at the end of that design process, you know, once the client is signed on for the design process, we do all the work, we hand it back to the integrator and say, we just took your client from a $3,000 architectural lighting budget to a, you know, $140,000 architectural lighting budget. You get to sell the fixtures to them and, you know, the increase in controls and all of that stuff. Um, that's your sale. We just want the design piece of it. So it's, it's come, it, it works really well because the, we get to do what we love, which is design. The integrators get to integrate and they get to sell, uh, and their sales numbers, you know, that's why people are getting into the fixtures controls are, you know, controls are static or, or dimmers are going away, but lighting fixtures are explosive in terms of growth. So there's a lot of money in it. Um, and there's a lot of happy clients that can come out of it as well. Yeah. Explain that, that transition there, uh, on the control side. So for a long time, custom integrators have been doing lighting control. Um, they, they're having challenges in the early years with when the technology, the lighting technology itself changes and you have flickering issues and things between the dimmers and the, and the fixtures. So the advantage of doing, of specifying the lights, the fixtures and the actual control together so you know that they work together. That's an advantage to the performance and keeping customers happy. Um, but then you hear about the control going away. So what do you mean by that exactly? Well, Jeremy, the, the what you just described previously about flickering, you know, lights and dimmers and trying to control that so that you can, if you sell the fixture and the dimmer, you know, as a package, you can guarantee that it's actually going to work. I think that's like the dipping your toes in the water. And that's a logical step. But the next step is that the technology of dimming, because all LEDs are low voltage, even if they're running line voltage to the can, that little chip, every single one of those is low voltage. And they don't dim well, right? It takes a lot of work to dim it well on a you know, on a standard dimmer and you can put a little computer chip in that fixture and it will dim great with no dimmer. It just needs a control signal. So what's happening is that the intelligence of dimming is moving out of those giant panels and moving into the fixture itself. And if you want to integrate and control something, it's even more important that you own that fixture and that you own the the intelligence in that fixture. If you look at theater, and this has been a, a handy thing for me to have as a background, in theater is where new technologies are pioneered for the most part. And they get to go on rock concerts and shows like that. And then they get they figure out how to bring it into architecture. So, you know, when you talk about dimming panels in a home, 
theaters used to be built with hundreds, you know, five, 600 dimmers, giant panels, giant towers, you know, of dimmers and a, and a whole room dedicated to dimmers with extra cooling units. Hmm. Theaters made the switch to LED before architecture did, and certainly before residential did. And they started realizing, well, we don't actually need the dimmers anymore. So you get the biggest dimmer manufacturers saying, oh, that's going away. What do we do about it? And what do we do about it is that now we have this one fixture that was going to take one dimmer. And now this one fixture takes 27 channels of DMX to control, Hmm. right? There's a lot more intelligence there. There's a lot more programming there. There's more networking happening. So it's like everything is switched to networking and embedded intelligence. But the opportunity means you give up a $500 load, you know, in a dimmer panel and you pick up on that one load, five $500 fixtures, then, you know, what is that? Your, your sale just grew exponentially. Mm-hmm even though your dimmer panel shrunk to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the future of the industry. And so from a practical standpoint, from the owner's perspective, homeowner's expect, uh, experience, um, are they still then having control at the wall? Uh, is it through uh, more of a touch panel scenario, an app type of scenario when, when it's the chip and the lighting fixture now and you don't need the panelized dimming anymore so is it still does it still sort of appear the same from a wall switch standpoint uh for the homeowner yeah i mean you could you could do a house let's say a house with 200 loads in it i could do that without a dimmer panel and i could do an identical one next to it with a dimmer panel and the customer experience shouldn't be different mm-hmm. uh shouldn't be markedly different but the the money moves from the panel into the fixtures yeah and the know, behind, and, and and there's less stuff on a wall somewhere in a basement or in a utility yeah that, that that closet space can shrink yeah. you know yeah, and i hear sure. integrators all the time fighting for you know wall space or whatever to put their panels it's like look a, a dm you know a box about this big will control 512 loads you don't need five panels for it so i, I want to start to wrap up with you here but the the thing that i i really wanted to touch on was your your blog and your entertaining writing um I've read a couple of things recently um, that, you know, you would think weren't topics that would typically come up in lighting design, but they're parts of the house that I hadn't really thought about. Like one was using lamps um, effectively to add accents to the home or like specifically like a dining room scenario. And then mm-hmm. another one that I found entertaining that's pretty recent. And again, I'm just doing a, a little sketch of what you've done. And there's just so much more I look forward to reading. But the other one was your uh, the the front door lighting (laughs) and how a lot of the design that's still done to this day are based on old lanterns from way back when it was candle light, essentially. Um, And I I just thought that was just such a great observation on your part and how ineffective sometimes lighting can just be at a door, you know, on a porch uh, and and the insights that you brought. So. what what are some of those other topics that you've covered there? Like it just, uh, I, I'd love to draw people's attention there to kind of catch up on opportunities to to understand lighting better. Well, Jeremy, everything's fair game on the blog because it's you know, uh, I, I get to write whatever I want, so it's sort of like my guilty pleasure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> of being able to write and and sketch. And 
really, I think it all comes down to the, the, what I love about my job is that I get to focus on lighting and then I get to think about it. And so I get to look at porch lights and figure out, you know, that's a terrible idea for a porch light, you know, <laughs> that puts all this light up and glare in your face and almost no light on the porch. Like it's not a porch light, it's a glare light. We should call it what it is. And, you know, being on the, being on the blog, it just allows me to, to wrestle with some of those things. So this year I've started a couple of different series, you know, one I call the one thing series. So in essence, um, if you're building a new house and you're building a living room, what is, if you can only afford one thing or you can only do one lighting trick, you know, to make it better, what would that be? And, um, I've also got one that's a plug-in series and, you know, I also take on lighting layout, lighting design, different spaces, how to talk about light. You know, it started as a just a blog of it's language of light blog. And it was basically saying, guys, when we talk in acronyms and numbers, we kill our clients, mm. you know, and we say, Oh, I need a, you know, Q40 MR16 slash NFL, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it, it kills it. And it, it really doesn't actually express why we need better lighting and what lighting does for us as humans. So it's really about trying to simplify things and make it accessible. So ultimately I'll be satisfied when I'm out of business because everyone has great lighting. Mm. Uh, and that's not going to happen in my lifetime, <laughs> right? So I probably won't be out of business, but I want, that's, you know, there's sort of this like missional idea in the company that we want to help people with light, period. And yeah. so if we can use things like the blog to get to an audience that we're not getting to with our partnership with custom integration, then, you know, it's valid and yeah. fun. Absolutely. And and you brought up, um, well, you, you followed up on what I was saying about the, uh, the porch lights. And that reminded me that outdoor lighting, um, I've heard, is a great stepping stone for for the integrator who's just getting into lighting uh, specification and maybe dabbling in lighting design. Um, do you agree with that? It's just, it's a kind of a nice way to be able to lay out a, a scenario without getting too deep into it like you might inside the home. I totally agree. Uh, outdoor, and at one point I even considered making that my career. Mm. The Outdoor lighting, I, and I've never thought about this before, but it's probably the closest to theatrical lighting. So when you go, like if you're doing a uh, a DJ gig or you're, you're lighting a band at a college bar, like, you know, I was, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how long ago, um, but in the 90s, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're hauling a bunch of equipment out, you're running a bunch of cords, you're plugging everything in, you know, and you're lighting something up for a while. If you do that with a, kit of landscape stuff and you take it out to somebody's house and you run some cords and you plug it all in and you shine it up, you can right then say, mm, no, that's the wrong place. Let me move it over here. No, that's the wrong place. Let me move it over there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this actually looks better if I do two lights on it instead of one, you know, you get to have that hands-on experience and you're not ripping out sheetrock every time you decide to change a fixture and you can mock it up, uh, extremely realistically. So I'll go out, you know, I used to have a, a van full of stuff. I would just go out, set it all up and say, here's what it's going to look like when it's done. The clients would come out their front door and look back at the house and go, yes, please. Right. So it was that 
you know, in, in, it was like an, an evening of fun for me. Yeah. Right? And then the sale was complete. Instant gratification uh, so for the easy client. Way to get in. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and then thought that I had to was when you're talking about meeting with a client on zoom and helping to set up things for the integrator to do, to finish the project. Um, how much needs to be done in person from a lighting designer standpoint? Um, are you consulting with the integrator and then they go and they, they do a site visit to kind of confirm some of the layouts that you've set up or are you doing a lot of in-person as well? Our main service lines have no travel, no in you know no in-person time with them, and that's part of what keeps the cost our our design fees so low is that we don't travel. Um, of course, we will for sort of the higher you know higher price services and whatnot. But I would say, you know, easily nineteen out of twenty, if not. 49 out of 50 of our projects, we never see. We build a 3D model so that we can walk inside the house mm. before it's ever built, you know, and that allows our designers to really kind of get a sense of the space and the scale and how things are going to work. And we do digital sketching over that. But then, as you said, we are going to, like, a, when a dealer onboards with us, we have some training. And part of that is here's all the tools we have set up to help you once we're done with the design and it moves into the construction phase and your tech team is on the, on site, you know, answering contractor questions. Well, you know, we've got the answer to that. Here it is, you know, so you're equipped with that. How do we light cabinets? How do you light art? You know, we have diagrams and things so we can help the integrator get up to speed on it. Cause I think, I think it's probably best if the integrator has a lighting champion in their business, somebody who's going to, you know, focus on that um, and that they then provide the on-site consistent consistency throughout it. In an ideal world, I'd be on the site every day. Right. You know, I mean, th that's, that's true, but I couldn't offer what I offer at the prices I do. <laughs> you know, that's the hundred thousand dollar fee or the $150,000 fee we're doing the $10,000 fee and it's, you know, it's kind of like, actually, I think Jonathan, the integrator, you know, I first met was like, look, I know you can do this super awesome, amazing stuff, but can you just do, um, pretty awesome? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, cause our clients will be satisfied with that. They're coming from horrible and you're taking them to pretty awesome. Let's just leave that other bit out there and we'll turn another house. Well, that's great. I learned so much more, David. I, I really appreciate uh, the insights there and uh, good luck on the remainder of the year and, and developing more business as you go. That Thanks for taking the time out today. My pleasure, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you and I, I thanks, thanks for the opportunity. David Warfel is a founding designer at Light Can Help You. You can learn more about his company at lightcanhelp.com and you can read his blog at languageoflight.blog. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday e email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe. Stay inspired and let us know if you have a great story to tell.